This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial-grade AI. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our Industrial AI podcast. My name is Robert Weber, and it's a pleasure to talk to Peter Seberg sitting in his Bavarian-style lederhosen at home. Good morning, Robert. Why are you sitting in lederhose? There is a celebration today of the very famous uh, 1516 Bavarian purity law. Ah, okay. by which you're only allowed to brew beer of a certain kind with very specific ingredients. Okay. Do you recall? Yes, I, I remember. Yesterday was the, the German day of beer. It is actually the official day, yeah, yesterday. And for those Munich people listening, uh, by the time you hear this, this day that we are, Robert and I recording, is gone by then. If not, you could uh, you could come into Munich town to the so-called beer brunnen, where there's free beer today, and I will be singing there with um, with our choir. That's uh, the reason. Okay, okay. But before you start to sing, uh, let's start with our podcast and with our news part. This episode, the main topic is large language model PLCs okay. and robots. That's more in the main part. Let's start in our news part. Uh, Two, number one, DeepMind and the Brain team from Google Research, they will be joining forces as a single uh, unit uh, focused called then Google DeepMind. And it's going to be run by Demis, Demis Hassabis, uh, the guy that initiated and uh, has run DeepMind, but until then, a couple of days ago, as a, I believe it was a daughter company of uh, Alphabet, actually, right? Uh, we will have a guy from DeepMind, I think, in summer in our podcast. Oh, very good. They will talk about robots and AI. Yep. Very much looking forward to yeah. it. It's just a week ago that I shared a um, an in-depth interview with Demis. Uh, yes. He is, I've said it many, many times, he's my number one, two, next to Andrew, next to Sepp. Yeah, there's, you know, like five guys, five persons. I'm sorry to say that they are guys. I'm sure that very soon there's going to be uh, a woman, at least one uh, woman to join that crew. So I'm going to share the comments by Michael, Michael Welch, who was on our show before. A couple of sentences. He says, Google obviously pushed the red alert button all the way through the table, is how he puts it. <laughs> Uh, with the world laughing at BART compared to ChatGPT and Google falling far behind in AI, DeepMind, which he says is one of the most respected labs ever, I would strongly agree, is being unceremoniously merged into operations to get back in the game. I'm going to leave out the next two sentences. That's the view of, uh, of Michael. Let's see. At least, of course, we wished him all the best. I would, I would at least agree. I'll show you how you see it, that a lot of the language models based technology, you know, specifically the attention is all you need transformers, you know, the, hmm. the, the big follow-up of mm -hmm. recurrent networks of LSTM, they were developed at, at Google Brain, right? Absolutely. I want to add something because mm -hmm. you mentioned transformers. Right. Because I visited uh, Sepp Hochheiser last week in Linz. 
and we uh, had a little chat not sure about uh, large language models and then he, chat gpt you yeah, had yeah, i had, well, no, we had a chat about chat gpt <laughs> and large language models and yeah. then, then he mentioned something and this is very interesting because he said we have an lstm based large language model that seems to be better than chat gpt and gpt4 wow. and we have to stall the research because of missing funding and this is a big problem because he has no data and he has he needs a lot of capabilities to do this testing and um, yeah he's very upset with this situation mm, i can imagine we will talk about this more often maybe we can talk a little bit about more about it now there was also was it a piece i'm not sure who was writing it it was it was about researchers in general at universities were they referring to european universities whatever or more in general many 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 researchers in the artificial intelligence space who just because of lack of funding see all these great things happening and we're in the very middle of it mm -hmm. all the time speaking about it, open ai etc etc and we're going to continue and then they say well <laughs> what are we going to do mm -hmm. you know this was our job i'm whatever i'm a, i'm a research i'm a professor i'm a researcher it doesn't matter that's the job i'm being paid for but if i don't get funding what am i going to do right Okay, let's let's go ahead. No, well, I wasn't ready with this okay. one, so uh, okay. no, great, great, great put. And we should, and we shall. I'm, I'm always going to suggest, if that is as it is, and a very interesting piece of information you're sharing with us there, it's almost like a must read. All of us, as far as we can, attention is all you need. Five years old, it changed the world. I do believe. And it was the follow-up of recurrent neural networks yep. of LSTM. Yep. And if now Zap, the inventor of LSTM, is going to say, well, maybe that's going to change again. It's almost like it's a must-read for all of you, all dear listeners, for you as well, Robert, for me <laughs> again. You know, until the point where, you know, all the uh, the mathematics start. and then. But at least I believe we do need to really understand what it's all about. Number two, I was going to say for the moment, yes, I would agree that OpenAI Microsoft is clearly in the lead. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of new large language model product categories, maybe one or maybe many different new product categories, mm -hmm. right? Infrastructure, applications, industries. And we, that is you and I, Robert, we're going to help you, listener, to guide through this new world. And, of course, specifically around uh, industrial AI large language model solutions. Yeah, but uh, when I talk to Seb, uh, I also ask him, are we now focusing too much on large language models? Are we talking mm. too much about them? And he said, yes, maybe. Um, there are a, a lot of more use cases you won't solve with large language model in the industrial sector, for example. And he said, yeah, but this generative AI, we will see a lot more in simulation topics. Uh, there will be more topics on generative AI and simulation, but there are a lot of different other use cases in the industry sector which sure. cannot be solved with a large language model. Sure. Yeah. And that is good to hear. And of course, there is still a group of people who strongly disagree that we should continue at all. Yep. They want us to stop. I mean, if I say they, we, I mean, I'm not going to choose, you know, left or right. It's, um, I don't think that that's our job. We just give you the information. I mean, I think we can if we want to give our opinion. But those people, and there may be, you know, amongst you listeners as well. Uh, and that is as it is. And we're going to see the world, you know, change over the next weeks, uh, months. And at the same time, sure, 
uh, we're going to look at whatever comes up uh, new as well, be it, you know, uh, LSDM-based, uh, chat GPT kind of style solution, or, of course, other solutions. We are industrial AI, and that's wh where we will be reporting about. And it's so funny because I've never seen Sepp so enthusiastic and so happy <laughs> and so oh, really? full of power since the last three or four years. He's absolutely okay. back on track, I would say. And uh, he's working on it the whole day from morning to the evening at night. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he promised that when he has something, he can he will share it with us in our in our podcast. Perfect. I was going to ask, did he show, share some mathematics with you? Yes, or yes or maybe, you, but, but I, at a high I, level? I drank my ass person said, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, Zep, yes, 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 Okay. I've got a, I've got a second yeah. one, if I may. Uh, it's, it's in relation, actually, not to mathematics, okay. but to programming. You know, last time I talked about the job killer generative. Uh, today, almost like continuing. It's a quote from Tyler Gibbs. He's a student at the University of Central Oklahoma. I'm not sure that you're listening, Tyler. If so, thank you again. It was, it was more like a very, I don't know what it, what it was, but I saw it. He wrote down the hottest new programming language is English. Yes. And when I saw that, I saw uh, my mind started kind of doing all kinds of weird things. So basically, I'm not, not going to uh, share all of what I wrote down there, but basically I believe that telling a machine what to do has been, I believe, a privilege. And I, I've always been the guy to say, you know, people who can study, many of our listeners, and we do, you know, in, in the summer always are three, four episodes on what students can learn at universities have always been, a, uh, always are under this great privilege. Now, a privilege for persons to be able to study computer science, right? For the last 50 years, it's been like that. In the beginning, there was this assembler, you know, programming, really programming chips, you know. Yeah. Then came COBOL for administrative, as I did, basic, Fortran, Pascal, <laughs> C, C++, Sharp, Java, and, of course, there's Python yeah. as well. And now there is English, English <laughs> or, or, or German or French or whatever language you're going to speak, Right. So what does that mean? You know, now, so now any person with access to a computer, let's put it at, can tell a machine what to do by writing it down or speaking to it. So not going through, you know, open if this and no, just telling it. So, so what implications is that going to have to all those persons that have been, let's say, excluded from yeah. telling a machine what to do so far. It's, that's amazing, right? Absolutely. And on the other hand, of course, what implications to a global IT industry built around the core programming capability? Yeah. You know, how many, how many programmers do we have around the world? Yeah. What is your guess? Well, it, it's funny because you, you mentioned this also at our discussion at the Hannover Messe Trade Fair show and the audience were, everybody was smiling when you said that. And I thought really? the smiling is a little bit, oh, this crazy old man there. <laughs> what oh, what oh, is he oh, yeah, telling? Really. But I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But there's something more because we talked about uh, with Siemens about this chat GPT. And in the main part, you will hear more about this prompt and then there's a injection prompt they they have an injection prompt and they add something to the prompt the the automation knowledge so i think sure. english is a, yeah it's possible but you 
as an IT company or as an automation company or whatever, if you want to solve a specific use case, you need to have this automation knowledge or this IT knowledge. I think that's the new way to inject this prompt with this knowledge yeah. behind. Huh? That's my feeling, yep. my understanding as well. You know, from the point that, that OpenAI was... Uh, was announcing this, what are they, links, link-ins, how do they call them? I forgot how they call them. Okay. Sure, any of you listeners, companies, I'm sure what is going to happen is that, you know, all of us are going to be be using this this vast, huge, and maybe they're going to be smaller, bigger, it doesn't matter. Maybe they're going to be transformer-based, LSTM-based, it doesn't matter, but we have we have seen what is possible with still, you know, the, the problems on the side that we have. And I'm sure that all of us are then going to uh, connect up our core crown jewel mm -hmm. knowledge that we have. And it's going to, of course, stay crown jewels inside of your company. And that way, you're going to have the domain expert, the person who is in charge yes. of, let's say, making this, this robot here in front of me do certain things. And I have not been doing that, but I'm sure there is a team of people around that robot and they program the robot. And that becomes more easy and more easier, you know, for the last uh, 10 years already. And now the person who says, no, I want the robot to first go to the left and right and pick this thing and do it. And the person is going to be saying that because the background engineering, whatever kind of knowledge that we have in our own company, you in your own company, listener, you know, that's going to be connected to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I'm not saying it's happening today or tomorrow, yeah. but yes, I'm saying it is happening tomorrow. And if tomorrow is a year or two or five, but we have to prepare, we have to, we have to use it. It's, a, it's an amazing opportunity that we, that we have, I believe. Absolutely. But do you remember what, what Bo Scharinger from, from Siemens told us? Right. They are focusing on event large models. You know that? You, do you remember that? Um, not he was, he was not, not focused on large language models. He was focused mm. on large event models around the whole factory, around next to the machine. I think this is very interesting to okay yeah. yeah yeah but that's another another use case i i gave as just one example use case robot and 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 bar says you know uh, use case events yep. is that what you yeah sure but, but all the things happening around industrial production and all the things that we talk about all the time and i i am convinced yeah. it is with the language of english or french or german you're just going to program you're going to tell what to do we've been saying that all the time on the top level if you are the domain expert you're telling i want this to happen i want input this to happen output all at the top level and then the it team let's say that's how it's probably called and it's maybe not even any more called that i don't know and that's going to be a lot more uh, integrated i'm convinced it's going to be like that you want to add something in the news part No, that was no. it from my side. And I have one quote at the end. I don't know if I translate it right, but Hans Beckhoff, he said in a press conference, they also showed some stuff like uh, ChatGPT and, and PLC stuff. Understanding ChatGPT as a thought amplifier. You know what I mean? thought amplifier to increase thinking yeah sure um, and that's that what it is i think it's a tool uh, it's a tool for the people who programming that uh, the the plc yep. 
Sure, but I think that's how we've always been looking at yeah. it. We're just moving. We're moving, you know, closer towards, I don't know, where to. You know, certain people believe we already have. AGI, I saw a former, you know, colleague, acquaintance of me mm -hmm. saying we're already there without saying, you know, I was listening again to a couple of uh, interviews we're, we're moving further mm. closer we're moving and i i believe that nobody is really disagreeing that every now and then we see certain intelligence without knowing and, and we're going to continue to have that problem uh, what the definition of that is but i've always said like if as soon as there's a ooh, ah, oh what is that Oh, what is that? Oh, was that a machine doing that? Was it a piece of software doing that? How can it do that? This, this piece of, and it's always, of course, difference if there's um, consumers, you know, consumer people coming to the trades fair, or if there's business people, or if it's you or I or Zap or other specialists who, who have come to, to realize, yeah, sure, that we can do that these days. That's normal. <laughs> the people who haven't seen it and seen in the last couple of weeks is suddenly our private people, you know, our, our parents, our children, our friends around us, they start talking to us, right? They say, Peter, you know, you've been doing this AI for five years, right? And and now they hear it in television and everywhere. And they are then, oh, wow, oh, they see what is uh, what is happening, right? So Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when I talk to these two uh, colleagues from HPE, we talk, also talk at the end about shifting borders or boundaries and new definitions of AI. Is it now general mm -hmm. AI or, you know, there's a discussion in the community about how we call it now and in which stage we are now and which level we are playing, yeah. Yeah, and that's probably going to continue. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter that we're ever going to reach singularity or not, as it was called, and it was 2045 or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You know, we've, we've just seen a huge move of which certain people are really afraid, even, and, you know, probably the most important thing is and i did see this interview from is it greg brockman yep. co-founder of OpenAI, on youtube if you haven't seen it it's half an hour a ted interview he's doing it's very good i must say that in the end having done a two half hours sam oldman and a half an hour greg the two guys who did it you know they at least they appear such sincere and open and towards making sure that we as a as a global community make this right and of course in the end you can always say oh yeah 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 you want to make business they don't give that feeling at all so at least i have a good feeling that it's in the hands of two people running you know a huge community uh, a company and community and now together with microsoft then there comes of course the business in but i a feeling i have is at least it's in good hands a lot better than as if it would have been in the hands of certain other people whose name i do not mention thank you peter it was a pleasure and now we are switching in the main part there we have two different use cases one use case is microsoft siemens tier portal and um, prompt injection topic and the other is hpe together with aleph alpha with this big german large language model and there's a focus on robotics and how to to use a large language model for robotics good robert have a good day talk to you soon welcome to the main part and i first speak with Iveta Lohowska, Principal Data Scientist, and Andy Longworth, Data Platform Lead at HPE. 
So enjoy listening. Iveta, what do you what do you present at the Hofer Message Trade Fair show concerning generative AI and robotics and special? Mm-hmm. We have a fine-tuned model coming from Alepaufa. The model is called Luminos, and we have fine-tuned it and trained it for the manufacturing-specific use case where we are navigating the knowledge base of the robot with multimodular, multilingual capabilities. So it supports video, images, um, uh, text, and uh, several languages. In this case, we uh, show German and English. And we provide uh, factful, nice, summarized information based on the prompts request of the user. Can you describe the process, what the user has to do? Um, so in interacting with the demo, uh, you need to either take an image or uh, make a prompt in the form of uh, voice-to-text or just write a text on it. And uh, you can request and ask uh, the model anything. So how many arms does the robot has? Or what's the color of the robot? Or what is their security certification? How can I repair the robot? And uh, uh, the generative AI model based on Aleph Alpha technology is providing you a summary or an answer or uh, knowledge information of how you can execute on your request, basically. You mentioned uh, Aleph Alpha, that's a large language model made from in Germany, made in Europe. Why you choose them? Uh, for several reasons. So first, uh, the Luminous model coming from Aleph Alpha is uh, positioned as a European sovereignty. It runs, uh, uh, ranks number one and number two in fairness, trustworthiness, explainability and bias-free based on the Stanford uh, evaluation reports. Also, it's uh, the right model when it comes to enterprise industrial use cases because it's not a conversational, uh, in a way, chatbot. It's a knowledge worker. So you can uh, train it on a specific data set within a specific context and you can optimize around correctness and factfulness instead of just getting any kind of answer. And for us and for our enterprise customers, I think that's a uh, one of the most important things. So basically running generative AI at the edge at enterprise scale. That's interesting. You mentioned the data set. How big is this data set for this use case? Um, the bigger, the better. Um, in our Yes, because it's generative AI. Uh, but in our case, we are training it on uh, the whole documentation base of the uh, Yumi robot. So we can deal with 2,000 to 4,000 um, pages of uh, manufacturing documentation. So this is a knowledge management service you provide to, to factories. What is the next step? Do you think about programming a robot with a large language model? Yeah, that's definitely possible and uh, uh, we can take it to the next level. So we can start recording events. So basically you can go push the robot, you can block the robot, it creates an event and summary that something happened to, to the process or to the robot, well, the model itself, the AI model, can now go and read those log files. So basically uh, gets into the firmware of the robot and start being more prescriptive and more exact of what exactly is happening in real time and start interacting with the robot configuration as a next step. You mentioned it goes into the firmware. That's very interesting because the robots companies don't want to open this firmware or the PLC code or whatever. Andy, that's your part from the architecture. Can you describe the architecture, large language model, PLC, uh, robot, uh, what you did? So what we've got here is the large language model running at the edge. 
And what we're not integrated with the PLC in the demo that we have, but what we can do is use the APIs that Yumi provides us to then, as you've had to say, take the prompt, take the, the command of what to do, and take the output of the model and integrate that with the, the APIs from the PLC to then start controlling the model. So being able to tell the robot, move the left arm to position one, move the right arm to position two, and start to have manual control over what you're doing with the robot. And that will give you more flexibility, for example, in, in learning or prototyping, rather than the final assembly, for example, where you have a very fixed routine. There's a robot from ABB, so it's very interesting to, for ABB, maybe. It's good for the large language model, but what's your business case? Yeah, so the business case is really um, using Aleph Alpha as a partner, so training the model using the Aleph Alpha service online. Then, as a system integrator, we're pulling in the whole integration of the pipeline. So how do I take that data set, so the, the documentation from ABB, curate that data in a way that I can put it into um, Aleph Alpha's model to train the knowledge base and then get the model out of that. And then we need to deploy that model somewhere. So you could call that from an internet service if you wish, but if you've got a disconnected factory, that's not going to be the most practical way to do it. So for us, what we want to do is get the, that edge hardware out there onto the factory floor and be able to run the model there at the factory floor. But that requires integration. So we need a way to go from the source data, training the model, pushing the model out to the edge and managing that, managing it through its life cycle, being able to get that feedback and improve what you're doing with the model and have the feedback loop for your next training round and essentially evolve and improve over time with that. That's how we make the money, the system integration. That's our, that's our model. And, and uh, MLOps business, all right, you, you, the pipeline model. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Building those bespoke pipelines because what one customer wants to do based on their factories, where they are, how they have them connected or integrated is going to be very different from the next customer. So we look to have standardized tools to help with the pipelines and, and MLOps pipelines, but the implementation of the pipeline is going to be very specific to a, a particular customer and how they operate. When we talk with companies in the industrial sector, data security is a very important topic for them. And now you train this big, large language model. Is it important where the data goes to? Um, I think yes. And that's one of the biggest use cases for enterprise customers is how their data is treated and also how you're using this data to train generic models or any kind of models. And this is our also sweet spot to basically try to execute this at the edge. So not just uh, the training, the inference, and this shouldn't leave their factory or their plant or their specific data center. This is either a manufacturing plant if they have it locally or if this is the device. So the use cases, especially in generative AI now, are trying to move closer and closer to the actual devices, production lines and sensors. And that's one of the, the important components when it comes to data security and, and data transfer. Also because it's very expensive to transfer all of this especially in the context of generative AI, when we know how big the data sets are. I would add on to that. It's, it, it's like any security measure, isn't it? It's like insurance. The customer's got to decide how important this is to them and then say, okay, can I release my data outside of my, uh, outside of my factory walls or outside of my organization? Or do I want to keep everything here within the factory? And, and they have associated costs. You may be able to do something cheaper in the cloud, but you expose yourself to more risk. So... As an organization, you then need to say, okay, where do I, where does my risk reward level sit and where am I comfortable? And I could just add that 
exactly following that argument before the trade-off could be to reduce performance for the sake of being able to deploy this edge, especially now with generative AI. But it's more and more the case that we're able to shrink the size of the models. And uh, even if we make them uh, with less features and less parameters, they perform equally well also at industrial use cases. So I see that the compromises either from the performance level for the sake of security or a budget are, will be less and less necessary in an enterprise context. This shrinking, is it a testing how this model then performs? I think, yeah, it's a bit of an iterative game where you have to find the right the right balance or the right setup, but it's becoming more and more handleable with uh, more powerful edge computing and better architecture. So that's why uh, Andy's uh, team and, and the job they do around data-centric architecture is extremely cool because if you want to be able to run those kind of models efficiently and also solve a problem that's also solvable from business perspective, those kinds of solutions are key. It's not just the AI machine learning work on top of that. It's interesting because you, t you speak about generative AI and not about large language models. When you look into the future, we talk, take, talk about generative AI, maybe about DALI for engineers and uh, product development with generative AI. What, what is in your horizon? So just the fact that if you hear the conversation between the top five or ten generative AI providers, and there's no clear agreement if this is artificial general intelligence or artificial narrow intelligence is already a bit scary because uh, we as a society also don't have a clear definition and we keep changing um, uh, changing the formulation of when it uh, overcomes human intelligence. So I think we are very, very close to generative intelligence. Um, models like uh, ChatGPT and Palm and uh, Llama and all of those are still considered narrow intelligence. But I think the future will be that it becomes reality um, to be in the generative. So basically artificial general intelligence. And then the next step is moving to artificial superintelligence which are terms that are coming more and more often in the conversation, you know, in the podcast, people start mentioning it more. And before it was circling around narrow and general, and now it's around general and super, which is shift in a further in the direction. I would add to that, that as you were saying, it's about the business model as well. So bigger isn't always better. So you've got to balance that. What am I going to get? You know, there's the development of the large language models and how can they improve? But from the business point of view, from a manufacturing point of view, how does it help me improve my business? And so we've got to balance against that and say, okay, you know, here is good enough for your manufacturing scenario. Here's good enough in your factory. Yes, the research might be able to do much, much more, but there are limits of what you're going to get on from your return on investment within the factory or within your industry use case. Do you also talk to the to the robots company for ABB for a special because you use this API? It's interesting for ABB too to pro to provide this. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting from that. It's, it's a value add that they can add around their robot. So you could conceivably sell this as a, a service on top of what you know your, your maintenance of the robots along with that. So. There's a win-win there for, for ABB and for us at HPE as well, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. So next to me is standing Eric Szepanski. Hello, Eric. Welcome. Hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> We are talking about the, the hot stuff at the Hannover Messe Trade Fair Show, the chat GPT interaction with a PLC with a controller made by Siemens. Can you describe us the approach you, you show here? 
So basically what we are doing is we're using Azure OpenAI services to yeah, generate code, PLC code for our engineering environments. Um, we are optimizing it. We are finding problems. And the last part is the documentation of existing code. Well, what can you do with this ChatGPT connection to a PLC, to a TIA portal? So what we're doing is we're just using natural language, um, putting it into the Azure OpenAI service, and then uh, it generates code out of it, which is quite good for, for the PLC. How good is this code at the end? It's not perfect, so there are some issues. Um, we see that the model is not capable of creating PLC code on its own, so we need to inject some automation knowledge, so some Siemens knowledge as well. So the basic, it, it knows the basics because it uh, knows how to program Python and C, and it, it's able to transfer from one language to another when you give it some more information about the automation context here. Yeah? So you, you have this prompt from the engineer or for the, for the, from the programmer, and he writes this prompt. And what happens then? So uh, in the background, there's some additional information. Um, this is the automation context we give the model. So we know how um, automation code is developed and what are the rules behind it. And we give some more information around it. And then the model is capable of generating PLC code. Um, not perfect, as I said but it's already quite good and it's a first starting point for further development. So we try to really enhance the way we do in automation engineering to get faster and maybe in the future to also achieve a higher quality. And you mentioned this topic documentation. What is the use case behind this? So um, we talked to a lot of customers the past months and... Um, They said a lot of people are retiring. Um, we have a lot of brownfield installations and um, they don't know what is behind the code. What, what is the code doing? And, um, and so we are helping the, the customers. They, use, they take the existing code and then they get a description of what the code is doing and how it works as well as for the customers of our customers. So you always need to uh, describe what your code is doing. And this is an... Yeah, the programmers do not like to to do the documentation. It takes a lot of time, but it needs to be done. And um, we are supporting our customers in this in this uh, place. Yeah. Is this ChatGPT, OpenAI, Azure, as you mentioned, is it a showcase or will be there a real product out of it? So in the current phase, it's just a showcase. Um, we're investigating this technology area. We're seeing some good results, some not so good results. What is not good? Um, so sometimes the model is hallucinating. Um, it's just creating strange stuff and we're not able to replicate it. So it, sometimes it generates uh, other code than a few hours before. As you mentioned, you, you add something to the prompt. Is it a more translation? Because uh, IEC uh, is not a, a language that the, this model can speak or understand. So the model always tries to go back to a language it knows and add some functions or some, uh, yeah, some stuff which is not allowed to use in uh, PLC programs. And then we say, okay, this is not allowed, stick to these rules. And yeah, this is like the basis of our prompt. 
What about new languages for PLC? We talk about IEC, but there will be new languages. You can program PLC with different languages. Does it become easier then? It might become easier, yeah. It might become easier when you're able to program your PLC with a another language like Python. It might be easier, but yeah, in the current status, we just focusing on IEC. The model is not capable of the the normal model, the ChatGPT normal ChatGPT model is not able of doing it. You mentioned uh, now the the ChatGPT. Do you use this database from your own, or do you use the ChatGPT database? Is it possible that you train your own data? Where's the connection? So um, in the current phase, it's, we're not able to um, fine-tune the model because there are some legal issues, some data privacy concerns. But later this year, we will be able and we are investigating how to fine-tune such a model. This is under investigation. As I said, this is not a product yet, but we are trying to investigate the whole area and try to understand which way would be the best for, for us to move forward. And the, the idea is to reduce engineering time, right? Yeah, to reduce engineering time is our biggest goal in this direction, as well as um, education. As I said, there so many people are retiring. Um, many universities do not teach how to program a PLC, but they teach how to program Python. The people are able to generate code, but they're not able to generate PLC code. Maybe there's a way to help them to go from Python to a PLC code language. How long have you been working on this showcase use case? So we started investigating this whole area in September last year, talked to a lot of customers, like the former versions, uh, GPT-3 and, and others. For preparing the showcase, we started in January. So you already thought about GPT before it was a hype? Yeah, we did that and... Then they released uh, ChatGPT and everyone was freaking out. And then we said, okay, we need to further go in this direction. This was already really interesting before ChatGPT for us, but now we are we're sure that it will, yeah, or might transform our industry. You mentioned it might transform the whole industry, um, but we have a lot of use cases where we do not need or we use different technologies and. I think it's a focus now on, on large language models, but there are a lot of more AI ideas to use. Is it a, a little bit a problem that you're now focusing so much on large language model? So this is not the only focus of uh, of Siemens. Um, there are a lot of other, other projects around it. Um, yeah, so Boris, for example, is has a lot of projects um, in different areas, quality inspection, For example, yeah, but it's not the focus, it's one of our focuses. So we have the engineering, we have the um, operation, and yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thanks.